My name is Mohsen Alatar. I'm an associate professor in the School of Law at the University of Warwick, and this is my podcast on postgraduate studies. The second part, then, of this writing seminar is a little more prescriptive. Here I'm going to provide you with 12 items that I think are essential for you to make the transition from inefficient to efficient writer. And you'll quickly observe that this part of the workshop is going to be much quicker. So I begin by saying, what am I trying to do? Well, I am trying to improve. I want to move then from being an inefficient writer to an efficient writer. How do I do that? All right, it's a 12-step process. Step one, you must accept that all forms of writing, regardless as to what you are trying to achieve, all forms of writing are time-consuming. They take time. I never will submit a first draft or a second draft or a fifth draft or even an eighth draft. Usually when I submit an article to a journal, I am somewhere around my 10th to 12th draft. That means simply that I've edited it a lot. To give you an example, I recently finished a book proposal and I sent out the first draft to a colleague. A colleague came back and said it's fine, but it's a little too long. It was at roughly 6,500 words. Following a number of revisions, a number of revisions that took about as long as it took me to produce the book proposal, Following a number of readings by a variety of scholars, my text went from 6,500 words to 5,800 words, then to 5,200 words, to 4,000 words, to 3,500 words. Finally, then, I submitted it then to the publisher at 3,100 words. Now imagine that. When I had completed that text, it was sitting at 6,500 and I thought it was ready to go. And then after the editorial process, after getting some second, third, fourth, fifth opinions, I managed then to cull more than half of the text and to produce what was ultimately a more concise, a more clear, and a more coherent book proposal that I'm happy to say has been picked up by the publisher. So first, step one, accept that all writing is time-consuming. Step two, always, and I can't stress this enough, always organize your thoughts at the outset. Um, on the occasions, a few occasions where I've proctored an exam, I've observed students take perhaps one minute to read the exam, turn the sheet over, grab a pen, and begin writing. And I think to myself, oh, how terrible that student has already failed. And what do I mean by that? Inefficiency is inevitable if you do not have a plan of action, if you have not organized your thoughts do this at the outset. As I said, structure, whether it is an outline or a mind map or something, but it is essential that you dedicate your time to structuring. Always, always organize your thoughts at the as outset. Step three, be mindful of your audience. Who are you writing for? Is this a supportive audience? 
is this an oppositional audience? Am I writing for peers? Am I writing for professors? Am I writing then for a client? Who am I writing for? As I said before, different styles mean different conventions and different audiences also mean different conventions. If you reflect on this at the outset, you'll hit the right tone before you begin producing the material. Step four, say it once and say it all in one place. Redundancy, repetitiveness, these are things that people pick up on because they say to themselves, oh, I've already read that. I remember this on an earlier page. No, no, say it once and say it all in one place. Now, how I go about doing this is I will take my document and I will number every paragraph. And what I do then is label each paragraph with a keyword or a key phrase that effectively summarizes what this paragraph, the purpose this paragraph serves within the text. And afterwards, I look at all the numbers and I look at all the words and I see that, oh, look at that. On number seven, where I wrote about complexity, that in itself um, can be linked, can be merged with paragraph 12, where I also wrote about complexity. Because it probably wouldn't make much sense for me to write about complexity in paragraph 7, and then to write about it again in paragraph 12. So there's something wonky then about this structure. So step four, say it once and say it all in one place. Which brings me then to step five, the numbering and the labeling of your paragraphs, as I just explained to you, in step four. And the best way to ensure that you are saying it all in one place and that you're only saying it in once is to know how you have structured your piece. So yes, you have your original structure. That is what you are working with. But remember what I said to you earlier, where you revisit the structure, this is your opportunity then to number the paragraphs. This is your opportunity to label the paragraphs. And this is your opportunity to determine, do I need to reorder? this text. Often for me, it becomes something of a puzzle where I decide that, oh, in fact, paragraphs 3, 7, and 16 belong together, but after paragraph 4. And then I just move it around. And then, of course, I take my outline that has my keywords and I move those around accordingly. Step 6, practice. I cannot stress this enough also. Practice is the way of improving. Now, there are some people who are a little more disciplined than I am who commit to writing every day. I unfortunately have not reached that point, though I do aspire to it. And this can be write anything, 400 words, 500 words, 1,000 words, whatever it is. But they write every day in that effectively you are keeping yourself limber. You are keeping yourself warmed up, ready to go. So practice writing, but practice writing not just on your own, Yes, solo practice is great, but also practice writing in groups. And this is where when you carry out group work, you can invite, uh, you set up your group time and you say, okay, what are we going to do? Well, today we're going to write a 400-word text in which we define the following. Ready, set, go. 
everybody does. They're writing, ideally, streamlining it in the way that I suggested before by breaking up those three elements, the structure, the style, and the substance. And then afterwards, you share the texts and you critique one another. Working with others allows you to gain some constructive criticism where they're able to point to you that something that you might think is clear is in fact quite obscure to them. Something that you think is concise, they say, is a little expansive and could probably be condensed. Step seven, be careful of pitfalls. And there are certain pitfalls that I would like then to highlight. The first one is the kitchen sink. So kitchen sink, I'm sure others have told you this before. Beware the kitchen sink. Beware trying then to do too much. And this is often the case then, particularly for students who are writing exams. They will try to provide everything that they've ever studied in the subject matter so as to ensure then that they don't miss anything along the way. That is a mistake. You must learn to be discerning and you must identify then those elements that are relevant to your examination, uh, to your examination, to your essay, to whatever it happens to be. Second pitfall, unsubstantiated assertions. I often like to say, show, don't tell. So students will often make a declaration and similar to the one that I began with earlier. International law is complex. That is fine. That doesn't actually tell us very much. So instead, you would want then to demonstrate that international law is complex. So this allows you to avoid the unsubstantiated assertion and rather provide assertions that are evidence-based. Pitfall three, excessive adverbs, excessive adjectives. How often I read very or this was huge, or colossal, or the list goes on and on. Eliminate the adverbs, eliminate the adjectives as much as you can. Most of the time, these are just filler words that don't add very much. If the sentence is framed adequately, it communicates then the adverb and the adjective indirectly. That is already built into it without the need then for excessive words. Pitfall four, overstatements. Never, never or never, try to avoid over-egging the pudding. What you think this evidence is probably isn't as grandiose, as momentous as what you think or hope it is. Chances are you've found some evidence that supports the conclusion that you're reaching, that supports the argument that you're making, but of course, that in itself can be rebutted. So there's no need then to over-egg the pudding. You haven't solved gravity. What you've done is to make what we hope is a convincing argument in support of your position. Pitfall number five, avoid long quotes. I often see this where there will be a paragraph written by the student and then there will be a quote that will be as long as the paragraph. This is opportunity for you to paraphrase, not to plagiarize, 
We warn against that, but to paraphrase. So you're taking the material that someone else has produced, you're identifying which aspects then are relevant then to support your position, and you are going to paraphrase then those paragraphs. You are going to summarize, you are going to compress. Now, of course, if you happen to be using, utilizing the ideas of someone else, necessarily give attribution, attribution by way of a footnote or endnote, but I'm merely pointing out that long quotes are one of the more common pitfalls that students tend to fall into. So step seven, careful of pitfalls. Step eight, never commit to your text. Now, what does that even mean, committing to a text? What I mean is that because students students, really any writer in particular, can themselves so committed to the text, they have difficulty taking on board feedback. They have difficulty editing because everything that they have written is important. Now, my approach, and as I said earlier, as I exemplified earlier when I gave you the example of the book proposal, is that I'll write a lot in the beginning. I will edit profusely afterwards. But then when people come back to me and say, hey, you know what, that third paragraph there, because I have it numbered, that third paragraph, I don't think it really adds so much. Well, if they don't think it adds much, and if I show it to someone else and they don't think it adds much any, any either, the third paragraph goes. Why? Remember what I said then at step three, be mindful of your audience. You're not just writing for yourself. Usually you aren't writing purely for yourself. You're primarily writing for someone else. And if someone else doesn't understand what you're saying, if someone else thinks what you're saying there is redundant or complex or convoluted, then edit. So hence why we say at step eight, you never commit. Step nine, convey energy, enthusiasm, passion, Learning itself is exciting. Writing is fun. Yes, these are challenging. Yes, uh, these are complicated tasks. Yes, your final mark may weigh on this, and so you have a lot riding on it. Nevertheless, there is nothing worse than reading a text in which it is evident to the reader that the author didn't care for what they were producing. So if you don't care while you're writing it, if you don't have the energy or the passion when you're writing it, then why should I have any energy or passion when I'm reading it? So you want to convey energy and your enthusiasm. This then, which leads us to step 10, step 10 is open with pizzazz, open with zest, that uh, think in terms of uh, the cover of a book, never judge a book by its cover, yeah sure, but often if it is an attractive, if it is an exciting cover, we are likely to read a little bit further. But then we're going to read that first sentence, and that first sentence itself has to be captivating, gripping. It has to be something then that encourages the reader to go on. If you open with something bland, chances are they close the book. So step nine, convey energy, enthusiasm, passion throughout the text. And how you do that, begin with step 10, where you open with some pizzazz, with some zest. Step 11, bear in mind everything I've said about streamlining components, about identifying the purpose of the text, about uh, reflecting on the motivation behind, behind um, your writing. Bear in mind these different uh, steps that I've provided you with, this 12-step process. 
but, and this is what I say at step 11, make intelligent choices. Do not just follow the rules. Meaning, if you're writing a two-paragraph essay, so we're thinking then, well, in fact, <laughs> um, Neil Gaiman, one of my uh, favorite authors, uh, participates occasionally in the 100-word short story. Now imagine that, a 100-word short story. Fascinating in itself, requires a lot of creativity, and of course, one is going to experiment along the way. What are you not going to do? Well, you're certainly not going to number and label the paragraphs. <laughs> Why? Because it's 100 words, so it is a paragraph. So then the fifth step that I provided becomes moot. My point, make intelligent choices. It's not just about following the rules. It's about reflecting then on your writing. It's about becoming an efficient communicator. Step 12, and here I will quote Helen Sword, Helen Sword who has written an excellent text that I recommend to all my postgraduate students, and I certainly would recommend it to the undergraduate students who want to read it. And the book is entitled Stylish Academic Writing. It's obviously written more for academics and for students than for, say, practitioners. And what is her suggestion? Step 12, never get dressed in the dark. Fascinating, no? Never get dressed in the dark. That is actually how she concludes, I believe, it's either the preface or the uh, first chapter of the book. Never get dressed in the dark. The idea then is that you turn the lights on and you have a look at the choices that you're making. Am I adding this accessory? Does this accessory accentuate the outfit that I've come up with? If the lights are off, it's hard for you to know. So it's necessary then for you to reflect on all the elements, just as you reflect on all the elements of your outfit, reflect on all the elements of your writing. Think of the three S's, substance, structure, style. Think of the three C's, uh, clarity, coherence, and concision. Streamline your approach. And bear in mind these different steps. Writing is time consuming. Your audience is essential. Practice might not make perfect, but it certainly makes better. Convey energy. The list goes on and on. And if you take then this streamlined approach, if you implement at least some of the tips that I've suggested here, then you in the end will not be getting dressed in the dark. And I suspect you'll become a far more efficient writer than you are today. Thank you very much and happy writing.